Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Starfleet. Oh, I don't think I was recording. <laughs> live TV. Hello. It says live up there. It did? Yeah. Well, it's casual and formal, so we could mess up. <laughs> it's no big deal. Um, brand new episode of Starfleet Boy. I've just uh, traveled back to Starfleet headquarters from Bajor. Did I say that right? Bajor? Bajor for Bajorans. <laughs> and Tarak Noor, and I was visiting my good friend Goldie Scott on his own turf. And uh, we had a little debutante ball for you, Goldie Scott. Did you like it? It was fantastic. There were lots of cute little Bajoran girls. And uh, interesting. Not sure how far you want me to take that. <laughs> this is a PG show. PG-13, I guess. PG-13. But we all know what happens at debutante balls. Do we? Don't we? I think they're pretty, yeah. <clears throat> they're pretty tame. Anyways, did you know that after the fiasco that happened where uh, the uh, classified starship uh, battleship uh, crashed into San Francisco, that Starfleet headquarters was relocated to Seattle? Did you know this? I was not aware of this. Which what classified starship was this that crashed? What was that thing called? The that monstrosity, something like the Killer Class, or something. I'm not sure. Oh, the Peter Weller. Uh, Peter where, Weller. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Admiral, You're talking about Star Trek into into darkness, <laughs> which, which doesn't count. <laughs> which, by the way, on your other show. On your show, we're going to do... No, some- don't give it away. Don't give it away. We're going to keep it a surprise, the, the title. But we are going to do a review of Star Trek Into Darkness. <laughs> and it will be super fantastic on Drunk Space Nine. Check it out. Yep, yep. So on today, iTunes. <laughs> today on Starfleet Boy, we're going to talk about the Star Trek The Next Generation episode, Haven. And uh, since it's so late in uh, on... on um, uh, Terra- Bajor. 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 Bajor, yes. Bajor, yeah, okay. So anyway, since it's so late on Bajor, we're going to keep this as brief as possible. So I'm going to jump right into the episode synopsis. Let's do it. I'm excited. Very simple episode. Starship Enterprise is on its way to a planet called Haven, and it's a legendary planet known uh, to have healing and uh, relaxing properties. They seem to go to a lot of these like really chill planets where you can just relax. Futures looks good uh, for <laughs> for Star Trek. Anyways, uh, they get to Haven, and um, all of a sudden, uh, something's being transported up, and it's this uh, silver box with a face on it, and it uh, starts to talk, and it says that it's presenting gifts for uh, the bride to be in a wedding, and the um, and spills loads of jewelry out onto the transporter pad. And um, we find out that the bride to be is actually Deanna Troy, and uh, <laughs> the groom to be is a yet unknown uh, human named Wyatt Miller. Very plain, regular name. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, the episode then introduces uh, the wonderful Loxana Troy played by Majel Barrett Roddenberry. And uh, we'll get into some details about her, but she uh, immediately she's a force to be reckoned with, a presence 
unlike any other, and she takes control of everything, uh, which is which annoys Counselor Troy to no end, uh, and also you know kind of makes the rest of the crew uncomfortable. Um, so Wyatt and Deanna have start to get to know each other. By the way, they were betrothed to one another at childhood. So this is the first time they're meeting since they were little kids, or actually it might be the first time they're meeting at all. I, I wasn't too clear on that, but uh, they get to know each other. Meanwhile, it's a little complicated because um, as we know, Commander Riker is Deanna's Imzadi, which means beloved. And even though he, all he, you know, even though he clearly wants to be a ship captain and that's like his number one priority. He's uh, feeling torn here and uh, has to deal with his emotions and his feelings. Uh, wackiness ensues. And then on top of that, a ship uh, is, uh, comes into range uh, to this planet Haven and the, the residents of Haven are immediately perturbed and remind the enterprise that it's their duty to defend them because we find out that the ship is uh, um, occupied by legendary space lepers. And uh, the, <laughs> these, uh, these people who are, uh, who are uh, carrying a disease that was brought on by a biological war on their planet many years ago are highly contagious and uh, have been known to wipe out the populations of planets because of their disease. So they're hunted also. They're pariahs in the galaxy. Um, anyways, Captain Picard has to figure it all out. And uh, in the meantime, Wyatt has been having sort of these like visions since he was a little kid about this dream girl. When he meets De Deanna, he's kind of disappointed because he's like, oh, you're not that chick that I dreamt about. And lo and behold, she's on this leper colony ship, space leper colony ship. And uh, so Wyatt makes a decision, a very tough decision, and uh, decides to pursue his dreams and beam aboard the uh, the uh, ship with all the uh, disease crew and try to heal them. He's a doctor, by the way. So ends the episode. Very brief, quick synopsis, not like my usual thing. This is more in the style of Drunk Space Nine. What'd you think? <laughs> Fantastic job, Starfleet boy. So... I guess we can jump right into some details. Immediately, um, I guess we could talk about... This episode's a little bit surreal. It's different in tone from the other episodes. I mean, you have uh, a face on a metal trunk that bleeds jewelry. That's how we start out. When Wyatt first beams aboard, he gives Counselor Troy a rose that... It's a chameleon rose, and it changes colors. It's like a mood rose. Um, so there's some like weird things. I didn't even talk about Mr. Home. Was was the mood ring a thing back when this episode came out? I feel like the mood rose was like based on the mood ring. Do you remember the mood ring when we were kids? Yeah, I think the mood ring comes from like a long time ago, like the 50s or 60s. So. I don't know, but it was a fad when we were kids. And I, I wonder if that's what they were sort of playing off of there uh, with this. This, I would uh, yeah, that's that's what they were doing. Yeah, and the giant guy, the giant guy who who just every time I looked at him, I just it just made me wish I was watching Twin Peaks instead. <laughs> that's what he was from. Did you ever watch Twin Peaks? 
I did uh, see a few episodes of Twin Peaks when I was young. It was airing around the same time, actually. Oh, it was. I mean, this guy was probably brought on, uh, well, not just because he's freakishly tall, but he was already famous at the time from being on Twin Peaks, I think. Or maybe. You know what? No, I got to take that back. That's wrong. That's wrong. This was before Twin Peaks. Oh, right on. So Sorry, he- viewers. It's late at night. I'm a little off my game. <laughs> That's okay. You're doing just fine. Um I guess the 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 first highlight of this episode was uh, basically meeting um, Loxana Troy. When well, he, highlight is a generous word. <laughs> See, what did you think of her? I mean, I'll, I'll just be. Uh, can I just say something really quick in general? Like, uh, you know, I I normally sugarcoat things, but it's late at night. It's been a long day for both of us. I just have to say, like, we are deep in the depths, in the bowels of season one right now. And uh, and it's rough. It is rough, my friend. What are you talking about? We're this early. is just back-to-back awful episodes. This this episode, <laughs> I don't know how you could say it's anything but awful. Uh, Loxana Troy is a character um, that, is, that is amusing. Uh, she, I guess, was the one um, saving grace of the episode. Uh, but everything ar- else around it was just, uh, oh, man. And I'm really, your summary was great because so much of that I actually wasn't paying attention to uh, <laughs> during the episode because it just couldn't hold my attention. Well, it's it's a funny thing. So I guess we find out a lot about the characters in this episode. We find out that Deanna is half human. We uh, didn't know that already? Well, I guess we uh, might have known that, but, like, it's, it's reiterated. <laughs> because she explains some some limitations about her abilities, and then we meet her mother, who's full Beta Z, and we find out what a true Beta Z can actually do. And supposedly, she can hear everyone's thoughts in impeccable detail. And she claims that Captain Picard uh, has uh, some uh, naughty naughty thoughts for her. <laughs> oh, I bet he does. Uh, the the first scenes that she comes on she's just kind of like a whirlwind of crazy that's the only way to describe her um she is just so outrageous she asks captain picard to carry her luggage which is like extremely heavy and i actually love that scene where he's walking the luggage through the uh corridors and you see Jordy and um data kind of walking by and they they look puzzled at each other and just kind of like are like okay what the heck's going on here and then uh counselor troy is upset and she says all right enough's enough you have a valet this like lurch actually didn't he play lurch in the adams family movies i'm pretty sure that's who that guy is probably the the newer films yeah anyways uh those are great great films by the way yeah they are can we talk about those instead no his name is mr (laughs) Holmes. H-O-M-N, and he he's basically doesn't speak. He's like Hodor before Hodor. Well, he does speak at well, the very, very end. Yeah, he does, actually. You're right. And it's like a, <laughs> no. like, it's like a uh, aha moment, and I think Riker and Picard like turn to each other like, oh, oh, oh. And um, apparently it's the only time he ever does speak, by the way. It's the, the first and last time he speaks. In um, his oh, because he does appear in the in future episodes. Appear again in the in future episodes. Um, so, <laughs> so anyways, we we have that scene, and then 
it, another this episode was very humorous. I thought another humorous thing is uh, when uh, Deanna finally blows up and says that it's inappropriate. She then um, makes Mister Home pick up the luggage, and he just does it so effort. Like Captain Picard's like struggling, he just kind of picks it up like the piece of plastic that it actually is, which is pretty funny. So great acting, Sir Patrick Stewart, making that thing look heavy when it's actually just light Teflon or styrofoam or whatever it was. It was uh, good acting. It was good acting. Yeah. But I I don't like co- comedic Star Trek episodes. They just rub me the wrong way. <laughs> uh Something. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. It depends. But but comedic Captain Picard seems weird to me. Did it seem weird to you at all? Seeing yeah, Captain I, Picard I, being I, kind of like the butt of jokes and a little bit of a goofball. And No, I actually loved it. I thought it was great. That's This was one of my... This was not one of my favorite episodes. Uh, but as a kid, I do remember being very amused by this episode. And then, you know, it it still holds up. I, I actually remember a lot holds of... Holds up? Yeah. <laughs> Holds up. It holds up. The the humor. See, I think that. Um, oh, that's neat. You can see. I people. see people back there. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, <laughs> <laughs> notice the same thing at the same time. That's funny. <laughs> we both have eyes. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, the uh, the uh, so anyway, she kind of talks about uh, something you mentioned in an earlier episode, or maybe uh, the doctor did. But she mentions uh, that Counselor Troy does have an accent. An a- oh, like a human accent? Well, apparently, yeah, it's a human accent. But I've I w- I've always wondered what her accent is because it's it's a weird accent. I don't know what kind of human. But La- Waxana Troy sounds like a normal human. She does, but she has a kind of a flair, I guess. Maybe. How do you uh, say her name? Loxana. Loxana. Yeah. Like bagel and lox. Because yeah. it's spelled Lawax, right? It's like LW. Yeah, it's just kind of like Loxana. So it's a silent W. I think so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it easier. So she says that's her dad's fault or whatever. The human accent, which, by the way, did you notice that um, Counselor Troy's accent changes in Star Trek Voyager when she when she uh, revisits? Did you know she's on Star Trek Voyager, first of all? I that is kind of a surprise to me. Oh, you haven't seen Star Have you? Heard, I thought you watched it. I've seen uh, some of Voyager, but that that is by far my my least favorite uh, show. So I could not get through all of it. Perhaps someday we will. Oh, uh, we will. Once we finish Starfleet Boy and Drunk Space Nine, we'll move on to that. It's indeed in the cards. <laughs> God help us if we do. <laughs> so. Anyway, she mentions the accent, and then immediately after that, the Millers come aboard, and we get to meet them, and they're just... Yeah, I like I like Y-Mill. Did you like Y-Mill? Wyatt? Yeah, well, I call him Y-Mill. I think that sounds cooler. <laughs> Wyatt Miller. Yeah, I actually really liked him. He's a babe. It's very cute. Great hair. Great hair. Great. Fantastic hair. He's, yeah, like teased up, crazy hair. Um, he's a doctor. He's like everything... Counselor Troy would want uh, in a mate. A little, yeah, doesn't he? Does he seem a little young for her though? No, I think they're supposed to be about the same age. And uh, funny enough, uh, so I, f- I find this a little strange. And I think obviously Commander Riker finds it a little strange too. So you know, she's betrothed to this guy. And she takes it really seriously. She plans on going through 
with the marriage. Like, she's not like, oh, no, things have changed or anything like that. Um, she talks to Commander Riker, and his feelings are the same. He still wants to be a Starship captain, and that's his first priority. So she just decides, all right, well, that's fine. I'm going to... I'm going to get married uh, to this guy that I'm promised to. And then Captain Picard asks her if she's going to stay aboard, and she says no. She plans – this was like an exit. Uh, this could have been an exit for her uh, counselor, Troy. This could have been her last episode. Um, oh, you'd never believe that for a second. <laughs> well, still. Even back then, that's part of the the problem of the episode for me is that you really – I never thought that she was actually going to marry this dude. And the, the second uh, they had that scene where he talks about this blonde woman uh, who's visited him in his dreams and all that, you just know by the end of the episode, she's going to show up and that's going to be there out to, uh, to save her from having to marry the dude. So oh, yeah. uh, it was just like, they, they uh, what's the word foreshadowing, but, but ba- in a bad way. I'll give you that. I gave it away. It's very obvious. You're absolutely yeah. right. no, there's no, uh, there's no surprises. You're absolutely right. But anyways, getting to know this character is pretty interesting. He's pretty cool. Um, and he's having these, these strange visions. Yeah, it's kind of weird. And so, um, but he's very sweet to Counselor Troy because he says something like, oh, please don't mistake these childish drawings for um, me being disappointed. You're actually quite beautiful, and I definitely want to marry you. So he's, he's kind of also into it, and he's ready to excuse me, to marry Counselor Troy. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Why Mill is a cool dude. He is a pretty cool dude. Anyways, uh, all of a sudden, by the way, the, the sick people are called the Trillians. And so, so around this time, a Trillian vessel... The Trillians? Trillian. You sure it's not the Trillians? I'm pretty sure. I just watched the episode. Okay. Sorry, just call, calling back to earlier episode joke, inside joke on an earlier Starfleet Boy episode. Um, you don't remember. Don't remember. Failure. But it is the Torellians. Okay, the Torellians. Go ahead. So the Torellians. Maybe one of our listeners can guess that find the Easter egg uh, that I was just talking about. Yeah, that'd be good. Oh, very nice. Anyway, the Torellians appear, and Captain Picard, everyone's freaked out when they realize what kind of ship. In fact, when you see the visual of the ship, Captain Picard's like, is that what I think it is? You know, and then he even says something along the lines of, uh, what does he say? It was this thing, oh, he wants to, he's like, I will not let the Trellians destroy this ship or the planet, which I thought was like really dramatic. <laughs> it's like destroy. So it's we discover in that scene also that the Trellians are hunted. This is probably the last Torellian ship because the previously last Torellian ship was destroyed eight years prior to this ship's discovery. So who knows how many last Torellian ships there actually are out there, but we're going to assume that this is the last one. Um, and whatever they have, uh, this disease, it's highly... Space contagious. leprosy. It's like... But it, it's space leprosy, but everyone yeah. looks really good. Well, Super we, hot. Well, not. I mean, the like, one dude. You know, not that I can say anything. But come on, the one dude is is like super bald. He's got the the ring baldness thing. That is. So I don't know how good looking he is, but the blonde is hot. Now, what is okay? This was confusing to me because the what is the relationship between the blonde and the bald dude? Because at one point he's like got his arm around her, like 
it almost makes you wonder if they're together. But then clearly Wyatt is going to get with this chick. Is this not just space lepers, but space leper polygamists? I think you missed somewhere along the lines that that is his daughter. Oh, clearly I did. <laughs> Anyways, um, he's like counter Captain Picard. He's like leper counter pe- Captain Picard. Leper Picard. He's leper Captain card. Leprechard. Anyways, <laughs> um, and there is this kind of like nice little respect between the two. Captain Picard kind of does this like nod at the end of the. Well, and also they have the same hairline. They do. They have the same hairline. Anyway, exact same hairline. So that's what I was just saying. It's like, from the outward appearance, you can't tell there's anything wrong with the Trillians. They're not like, their skin's not falling off. They're not, you know, in bandages. They're, they look perfectly healthy, but they have this terminal disease. And funny enough, uh, the episode of Drunk Space 9 that we're going to talk about tonight after this has something to do with a virus as well. <laughs> oh, indeed. Yeah, indeed. Very, very nice little parallel. Um, so, oh, what he says, Captain Card says, is they must not be able to destroy us or the planet. Um, so what they do immediately is they, um, they quarantine, well, they tractor beam the ship and hold it in position. Anyways, uh, in the scene where the the Trellians reveal themselves, we see the blonde lady and Counselor Troy immediately realizes, oh, this is the woman. and This uh, is my out. <laughs> <laughs> was it that obvious? I think so. <laughs> oh, she was relieved. Oh, so anyways, we got to backtrack. To yeah, something. well, they did kiss. I mean, she did kiss Wymel. Is that what you want to backtrack to? Uh, I want to backtrack to a little bit before that. I didn't even talk about the best part of the episode was the engagement dinner. It's just that was a good scene. It's just pure pandemonium. Another bit of trivia: it's the only time we see the dining hall of the of the Enterprise with the United Federation of Planets seal. That was a weird room. So the, yeah. it's never been seen again. No, after that, I think everything happens in ten forward. All the all the fun stuff happens in 10 forward after this, but the dining room was a, a set that was not reused. Um, and it's basically because it's crew quarters that are redressed. Basically it doesn't, it looks like crew quarters to me. Anyways, there, there's a lot of fun and wackiness happening at this thing. Um, you know, data's running around like a weird creeper just listening into everyone's conversation. Mr. Home is drinking like a fish. I mean, like he's just downing like what appears to be whiskey. Like there's like no one's business. The women have different weird hairdos. Tasha's hair. What was up with that? Did you notice Tasha's hair? That was super weird. And Dr. Crusher's hair too was like shortened somehow. Yeah. And they didn't even have any lines in this, did they? Yeah, I think Tasha says something. Uh, what does she say? Oh, when they announce that the when they let everyone know. Oh, this is fun too. So a Beta Z wedding or a Beta Zoid wedding, everyone's naked. Right. And Tasha's like, "What?" <laughs> As if she wouldn't just disrobe anyways. Um, and then so so you have. 
Tasha and Crusher's hair. You have Data being a total creeper. You have Mr. Home getting wasted. Uh, you have everyone kind of disagreeing. At one point, the Millers would love if Captain Picard would officiate the wedding, and then Loxander says, oh, no. It's, I think it's pronounced Loxana. No, it's Loxana. Loxana? Loxana. 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 You don't have to put on the red light. <laughs> put on the red light. Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I think I think Drunk Space Nine is bleeding over into uh, oh, no, getting ready. And then uh, Loxana has this weird pet plant that she creeps Mrs. Miller out with. She like freaks her out by it, like it crawls onto her arm. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, they announce the wedding's gonna be naked. There's like all kinds of pandemonium going on, all kinds of weird. Crap, Mr. Home keeps ringing this bell over and over again every time Luxanne Okay, I, I have a confession to make. Yes. I had gone to the bathroom during this scene. You missed this scene. I, I didn't pause it. <laughs> you got to watch the scene again. <clears throat> so this whole time I've been pretending to like remember what you're talking about. Oh, it's one of the best. But uh, now I fessed up. Now I don't have to pretend anymore. Well, anyways, you missed uh, Deanna freaking out. Like she freaks out completely and then... She he runs out of there, and that's when you came back from the bathroom because you remember the holodeck scene. So she, oh, Will had left a little earlier because he was already kind of. Oh, the holodeck, that's right. Yeah, that's where they kissed. So Will leaves a little bit before. She freaks out. She leaves, yeah. and they, she goes to the holodeck, and she, and she talks to Riker, and they have this weird moment where Riker's kind of like uncomfortable with the whole thing, and he's trying to express his feelings. And then, so, well, okay, so what's the deal here? At this point in the show, what do we know about specifically why they broke up, who broke it off? Because Riker's kind of acting like he wants to be with her. He he definitely is acting like he wants to be with her because I think he does. And I think it's, like, interesting because it's, like, you know, knowing what happens in Star Trek The Next Generation, we eventually find out, we eventually know that they will get married. Right, but but my question is, at this point, what do we know about their history? I think that Counselor Troy wanted to... The, the impression that I get is that Counselor Troy wanted to make it a deeper relationship at some point, but Riker was very career-driven, and he was like, not now, and then she's like, not now, if not now, then when? And then they kind of like grew apart, went their separate ways, and then when um, they were both assigned to the Enterprise it presented a new kind of like opportunity for them, but it's still awkward. They don't know how to relate to each other. They kind of got it, you know, they kind of made this decision to just be friends or whatever, but. Okay. Yeah. So, so Riker kind of was the one who broke it off. Cause he, he was like, he chose the career over her, right. but now that they ended up on the same assignment, now he's thinking, Oh, I can have my cake and, and eat it too. Something like that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so while they're talking, all of a sudden Wyatt appears, and we don't hear the holodeck doors, which are quite loud, open up. Like, you know, when I because when I came back from the bathroom, I didn't even realize they were in the. I thought they were down on a planet somewhere, or all I know is it was the exact same set from the the last episode uh, when they were down there with Q, which was the exact same set from when they were fighting the Ferengis. And it was the whole scene. It was just bothering me how it was the exact same set. 
over and over again, <laughs> episode after episode. Well, oh, season one. A million dollars an episode is just not enough. Oh, season so, one. It's not enough. Anyway, so Wyatt walks in and basically he kind of takes command of the situation and uh, he, he uh, one-ups Riker and even insults him a little bit. And Riker just kind of leaves. And then uh, Wyatt and Troy have another very touching and romantic scene. And this is when they, they make out. Fast forward to the scene we were talking to you before. All of a sudden, the Torellian ship comes into communications range, and and when we see who's on the other side, it is in fact um, this super Torellian. hot blonde. Yeah, the reveal of the uh, the girl, and um, so, anyways, they tractor beam the ship because they can't allow the Torellians to beam down to the planet. They want to live. Initially, they're saying that they just want to live on like a deserted island somewhere and to be left alone and they just want to die on Haven. That's like their dream. It's like they're, that's what they're planning on doing. But when they present Wyatt, all of a sudden now they're like, they feel like there's some hope because the girl whose name I can't remember, Ariana, it's a pretty name. Ariana had the same visions of Wyatt that Wyatt was having of Ariana when they were little kids. And so, uh, very quickly, the episode kind of starts wrapping up. There's a really cool scene where Wyatt goes to talk to uh, Loxana about um, his plan, like what you know, what he wants to do, and and should he do it, and etc. And so she's like, "Darling, it's very simple. Just uh, do what your heart tells you." Basically, it's like, and he's like, "Okay, fine." So what his heart tells him to do is steal. Medical supplies. <laughs> His heart tells him to go to the hot blonde. <laughs> so he takes these medical supplies. He doesn't actually steal them. How ironic. They think that they're going to beam them over. So, okay. So in theory, Wyatt's going to catch this disease too. In the, oh, you know. Yeah. Okay. It is very similar to the. DS9 episode. Um, interesting. So, so would you, if you were in these same shoes, that's funny. Uh, would question. would you, you know, your your dream mate, you know, shows up and has space leprosy? Uh, would you go be with them, knowing that you too would catch space leprosy? But you know, it's the the dream person, you know, like the the be all end all person. If I happen to be Wyatt, I might do it because he's a doctor, and there's a there's, <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a chance you can actually um, you can actually cure the disease. Which, by the way, there's no follow up in novelization or any other form to this episode. I'm curious. What's so great about Wyatt? Is he the greatest doctor ever? That that no other doctor anywhere in the galaxy could cure this thing, or? No, but he's motivated by love, and there is some kind of weird cosmic connection here. I mean, there is some like element of fate happening here. Um, so one, you know, Captain Picard at the beginning of the episode says something like, um, "Legends have a way of coming true. It's the spice of life," you know. And oh yeah, that's a good speech. I like that little speech he gives to Data. Because that's a Data in the beginning of the episode, and so it's it's something that I think, you know, the episode hits hammers in hammers the point in with <laughs> with Wyatt. When he goes aboard the Torellian vessel, uh, funny enough, she also has these artistic interpretations of him 
even going up until an older version of him. And then they reveal the big hair Wyatt drawing, <laughs> like obvious to him that, you know, she, she that he's get, so there's a little hope there. He grows old. What do you mean he grows old? So the drawings that the girl did of Wyatt actually extend into older age. Like there's a there's like a forty or fifty year old Wyatt. So that that might be the little clue into saying that maybe in fact he does cure these people, oh. or figure out a way at least to extend their lives. Way to go, Y Mill. Yeah, Y Mill. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways. Um, that's it. Oh, That's- Picard and Data, before I forget, yeah. there was a, another great moment between Picard and Data that sort of picked up on on something from an earlier episode where Data starts over-explaining something and Picard just kind of quickly cuts him off. Do you know the scene I'm talking about? That's right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, This is, but this happens a little often now. You'll see it'll happen quite a bit. It's becoming time. more of a regular thing. I like it. Yeah, I do like Data's babbling <laughs> it's very cool um anyways the millers are disappointed but they're also extremely proud of their son they're a little sad um loxana troy thinks that wyatt uh, achieved something quite great for a human she's very impressed with him um, very nice backhanded compliment from her yeah and then the Tyrellians decide that they have what they want and so they're not gonna go to haven any longer and they just uh they go on their merry way and Picard gives the Tyrellian captain a little a little nod and that's it the episode's over oh yeah and Deanna gets bald to bald from Deanna one bald to another <laughs> Deanna gets to keep the jewels the the millers are like keep them mm-hmm. you may need them someday oh Time. I missed that yeah that that's probably how they paid for the wedding in in Star Trek uh, <laughs> Nemesis <laughs> She kept this. Well, there's no money. They don't need to pay for that wedding, right? How did that work? It was all replicated. Yeah, everything. All replicated. There's no money in the future. So I turn the question to you. What would you go do, Scott? What would I do? Uh, No, I would not run off with uh, the hot space leper. Okay. Yes. (laughs) That answers the question. I'm disease phobic, I am not a doctor. And even if I was, I have such you know low self confidence that I would never believe that I could cure it. Uh, so uh, I'm going to say that you know what, some things are just left uh, dreamed about. Good, Can yeah. Honest answer. Well, be careful um, what you wish for, my friend, because he didn't even know this girl. You know, I like you said. I wish there was some sort of follow up where we find out like within like two weeks he already can't stand the sound of her voice. Oh man, <laughs> she's just like the most annoying girl in the galaxy. No, I think she's definitely his dream girl. I mean, he, he's known her in a way since he was uh, very young. Um, cosmic mind bond. Cosmic mind bond. So, do all the Terrellians have that power? Does does it? Is it just her? Is it just no, her and implied, him? It's implied that it's just her and just him. Because why? It's a human. A human. Hmm. Get out of She's my just mind. a Terillion. Young girl, get out of my mind. Just a Terillion girl living in a lonely world. <laughs> oh, God. Got the space leprosy. 
So audience, yeah. I audience, 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 what would you do? Would you do what Wyatt did or would you do what Goldie Scott and I would do, which is not, not go on the ship, unless you're a doctor. And if you are a doctor, I'd love to hear what you, what you thought of this episode. What you and think- also any theories you might have on how to cure their space leprosy. Yeah. Yeah, that might be, might be fun to find out. Well, you know. I feel like, wasn't it weird that they didn't even consult Dr. Crusher for two seconds about it? Well, on the call, they're never- like, hey, Dr. Dr. Crusher, why don't you come uh, over here and, and uh, join this conversation about medical stuff? In the very dead. I don't know why my Picard suddenly became Sean Connery. And you always do that. It's great. Yeah. In the in the very dense dinner scene that you missed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Crusher is talking about the Torellian, um, uh, the disease, and she actually that's what that's the first time Wyatt, before even knowing anything about the Torellians or that the that the girls on on board the ship, he offers her a hand in trying to figure out the. Oh, okay. Well, I just want to point out that shows you what a great analyst I am, that I thought of something that the writers thought of and, and put in the show, even though I missed it. It's, maybe you should write for the uh, maybe you should write for the show. <laughs> I'd love to. Hear that new Star Trek? New Star Trek. Let me write for you. Call just Scott what's right for you. So yes. So yeah, that uh, on our little what we're we doing scale from one to ten. Are we doing a one to ten scale? Is that how? It's- um, one to I believe Starfleet Boy is one to five. Uh, database Girl, uh, okay, Database Girl uh, says one to five. One to five. Starfleet. So I give this episode a solid two and a half stars. Ding ding ding. Okay, I'm giving this a solid one. Ooh. So there you have it, and we'll find out what the doctor. We'll do a quick revisit and find out what the doctor would have given this episode next time. Yeah. Next well, time. he said last week he's like, "That's a good one. I'm looking forward to that." Yeah, that's true. On us. I think he forgot that it. It's a Counselor Troy episode because he also doesn't like Counselor Troy. So, as you pointed out earlier, <laughs> so what did he like? I mean, if he remembered it, well, I guess we'll have to ask him. We can't. Unless you want to play the let's guess what the doctor's memories game was. I, I'm guessing that the doctor just uh, was responding to the attractiveness of the of uh, Ariana. She was super hot. <laughs> and what, I can't blame him. I thought it was interesting that the, the Torellians were wearing like Star Trek original series outfits. Like well, they- so much of these early episodes have been original series type of... Uh, styles wouldn't you say i yeah i think so except there's like definitely like the the millers were definitely wearing clothing that was more futuristic if you will very the weird millers. <laughs> what a plain name wesley's not the only one wearing cool sweaters in, in the star trek universe well that's why they brought in y mill because they realized they suddenly had a sweater vacuum on this show <laughs> They're like, we need more sweaters. We're losing viewers. What did we do? We shot ourselves in the foot by getting rid of the sweaters. Now all our viewers are going, let's bring back some sweaters. He's wearing a particularly fetching burgundy sweater on the, on the holodeck. It is fetching. That's a good description. <laughs> well, I have nothing else to say about this episode uh, other than, you know, just a good little 
side episode, doesn't really go anywhere. It does present some interesting things about Betazoid culture, some cool backstory between Counselor Troy and Commander Riker, um, and an interesting story about fate and uh, and uh, mystery. Do you know what, what the next one is about? Oh, it's the it's the uh, Dixon Hill. It's the first Dixon Hill episode, if I recall. Oh, that's a cool the, one, right? The, the I'm not mistaken, is what it's called. Yeah, like the '20s gangster holodeck thing. Yeah, and it, that's an. This is an interesting one coming up because it also deals with holodeck mechanics. You mean uh, like the stuff that's going to come into play later with all the Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty stuff? That, and then even later with. Uh, even in first contact stuff that we find out about the holodeck in this episode will come in handy. Oh, I'm excited. Cause this is one of the, uh, parts of star Trek. I really enjoy is all the, the holographic stuff that comes later on with the doctor on Voyager. I do like that part doctor on Voyager where they have sort of the philosophical arguments of is a holographic, uh, thing an actual living being and sentient and blah, blah, blah. And I think Moriarty gets into that too. So very, well, very exciting. I don't know if you know this, but the Enterprise D is the first starship to actually have a baby. What does that mean? It, the computer becomes sentient and it has a child. You don't remember that episode. We'll get to it sometime. Oh, vaguely. Uh, <laughs> is, what? Is that in this season? No, no. It's, it's, I'm going to say season six. Oh, okay, wait. Can I ask you a question? Maybe I should save this for when the doctor's here. But a couple episodes ago when I wasn't on, you were talking about something like with the technical manual or something. And you were, you said that there are there's a whale in the Enterprise? There, I think there, it's dolphins. Or he whales. Said, it might be whales. He said whales. No, there's whales. So, yeah. At the, I don't believe that. In the forward section of the ship, there are whale navigators. Navigators that are whales. Go. No, look, I don't believe you. Up right now. I don't believe you. Have a moment here. Whale navigator starship enterprise D. Let's see here. Uh, Listeners, if you agree with me, right? to starfleetboy at gmail.com and tell him how wrong he is, that it's ridiculous that there'd be whales in, in the Enterprise. Much less whale navigators. You're telling me they're actually playing a role in in ship functions? That's even yeah. more out there. Here we go. Are you ready for this? This is from our... I'm fam- not ready. No, I'm definitely not ready. Memory Alpha. Dolphins were present aboard the... I was right. It was Dolphins. Dolphins were present aboard the Enterprise D in some capacity. Um, In 2368, Geordi LaForge took the Frangie Parlanor to see the Dolphins in order to keep him from disturbing Croizine Ambassador Briam in the TNG episode, The Perfect Mate. The Dolphins may have been in the aquatics lab, and then later... Okay, well, that makes... I mean, Dolphins are very small. (laughs) That makes a lot more sense to me than whales. I could see Dolphins... Uh, but are you claiming the dolphins help navigate the ship somehow? Hang on, look. The Next Generation Technical Manual gives further information about the cetaceans aboard Galaxy-class starships, stating they a mixed group of bottlenose dolphins and Takaya's whales, which must be small whales, are actually crew members and form a guidance and navigation consultation team. 
These cetaceans are elite specialists in navigation, and Starfleet consults them on suggested system upgrades. What? <laughs> there you have it, everyone. I don't agree with that. I don't think the technical manual is canon. The Enterprise... Uh, well, excuse me, Michael Okuda and Denise... Denise I don't care. It, it, it canon is what's on the show. What we see <laughs> on the show. Well, that is that is something else. Something written in a book is is so like a sub canon of some type. Yeah, there are people out there that are nerdier than me that know the different levels of canon. The tier, there's canon tiers. Okay, right. And well, and the top the tier of canon is is the actual shows. So there were dolphins on the show. But not navigating. I don't know. All I know is that the... I never saw a dolphin sitting, uh, you know, next to Jordy on the bridge, tapping away on the helm. The tech little flippers flapping away on the helm. (laughs) That's a terrible dolphin impersonation. The, the technical manual is written by the guy who designed the L cars and all the systems and basically designed the uh, Enterprise. And he says there's freaking dolphins and whales. Now, I think it's a good thing because if you were to ever encounter that freaky probe from Star Trek IV again, no problem, right? The last I thing guess. you want, the last thing you want is your power to shut off. Like. No, but that was whales. See, that's why you got me confused. Because the, the Star Trek four probe thing was whales, not dolphins. Well, cetaceans are, I think, dolphins. Very different things. Whales and dolphins are very different. We should save that for our, our aquatic life podcast show. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I just want to say. So hails easy. <laughs> you can be Willem Dafoe's character. Anyways, uh, before we go way off track, <laughs> I'd like to say thank you, Golda Scott, for another great episode of Starfleet Boy. Thank you for having me on, Starfleet Boy. It was an honor. Live long. Yes, LLAP. <laughs> and uh, as uh, Jordy would say, or LeVar Burton would say on his other show, see you next time. <laughs>